find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. By the way, Daniel J. Segura of the Mustachio Podcast. Yo, today we are talking Poison Ivy, and I'm bringing together, um, God, he's got a hell of a mustache. It's incredibly distracting because uh, uh, I, I get to see him on camera, and Jesus Christ, I, I'm glad I brought a pillow. His, <laughs> his name is Brady Kimball. He's from the Solid Six Podcast. What is up, dude? You welcome back, man. I love oh, hi. Hello. I'm so excited to be covering uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia with you tonight. Yes, dude. I know. I like your your um. You've got a quite eclectic taste. You you yeah. you you gave me some options. So granted, there are some choices we we could have made that could have been better. But you gave me some options. And when I I just saw Tom Skerritt, and and I was like, God, I love that guy. There's not a lot of stuff that he's been in that I didn't love, like what he did with his mm-hmm. character. And I didn't expect this. I I think I saw the trailer and the trailer had some spice to it and everything. But then once I started going into the nitty gritty of it, I was like, holy shit, what did Brady just make me do? Holy crap. You picked it, man. I gave you an out. This was and and keep in mind, listeners. Uh, I won't. Uh, I won't like spoil the movies that were uh, also on the list because yeah, because uh, we'll probably know, talk my, about them. Yeah, exactly. But this was like the postscript. This was at the very bottom. Like, eh, oh, by the way, I'll just throw in a little guilty pleasure. 
this one's for me. The rest is for him. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way Daniel is yeah. going to pick this yeah. one. And of course, we stop. We we end up landing on poison ivy. <laughs> yeah, clearly the least horny person that I've ever met on the internet. <laughs> I am a big sex guy. Just it's mostly with cougars, and we'll be talking about her mom a little bit soon. But I, <laughs> especially when she's you know she's actually like, sleepy, it's good to use Cosbier. But uh, no, I <laughs> I did not expect this film. Um, and thankfully for Brady, you know, he found a nice fun way. This is a hard movie to to find on streaming, yeah. and I think there's a good reason for it. Yeah, I, I I'm very curious about. Uh... The people who actually collected this on Blu-ray, I don't know. Um, yeah, illegally pirating this felt like the the correct choice because <laughs> it was skangy or skangy or whatever they say in the movie already. So why not just double down on the skanginess? Yeah, I do feel like uh, I was telling uh, Matt Anderson, Matty Ice, who's mm-hmm. been on the podcast quite a bit. I was telling him I think that this movie bombed in the box office because I think a lot of dads and creepy uncles were waiting for it to get on the rental market. Dude, <laughs> they were just totally. waiting totally yeah the director the director's like yo this movie's for 18 to 25 year old girls or young women i was like yeah <laughs> is I mean, that I, what the director said yeah i was like I, I do love i do love the fact that movie theaters in the early 90s were willing to play something like this there there's a certain charm that i may or may not miss uh with yeah. stuff like this but um, I feel you. yeah i feel you so you know so brady Give me your history with this film. What, what, had you seen this before? Is this a first watch? Yeah. I feel like it's, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, this is a first watch. So uh, on my podcast, I've become a little bit of a cartoon character with, you know, being stuck in horny jail, is, uh, as we call it on the show. So I've been trying to get out of horny prison. Um <laughs> Uh, well, for a while, you would agree, job. No, but I, I feel like so you're just I, spreading it to other podcasts like a virus. You're a goddamn STD for other podcasts. No, I just I feel like there might be like a hero's journey here, where like I, the more I watch, maybe eventually I'll be let out by the warden. You know, it's like he'll finally <laughs> hand me the key and just be like, "Yeah, you did your time." You'll reach your quotient. You're like, "Well, he can't get any hornier than that." He's got Drew Barrymore's side boob. <laughs> exactly. So now, joking aside, um, my wife and I really like to watch these kinds of movies because they're really bizarre. They're like a mixture of like goofy, like lifetime shit to then like horny. And then some of them are like really well, well done, like Gone Girl or like the Palma movies, um, yeah. you know, Mulholland Drive, I, you know, Basic Instinct. I mean, some of these movies are pretty legit. So it, it there's a certain... Uh, specificity to the time period of like the early 90s um i know i just referenced some movies that aren't from the early 90s but point is like yeah there's a through line yeah and you don't see them a lot that anymore because uh we are living in the least horny time um it's dry out there yeah yeah (laughs) i gotta admit like well culture is great and all you know i get it we need to be thinking about the decisions we make but that is the driest cultural uh change we've had in america in a long time yeah we're the driest we've ever been out here maybe maybe i should just reframe this instead of being in horny jail like maybe i'm just like like reawakening america like uh, i'm the hero that this world needs yeah, just a little tickle to the taint is yeah. what Brady's doing to the podcaster, podcast listeners of America. 
just tickling your taint. But you know what? The the one thing about this film, like, yes, it's weird because you have let's just let's just put it out there. Mm-hmm. You have a seventeen, right? About seventeen year old Drew Barrymore, um, yep. who's now been put in the spotlight. She's trying to, you know, uh, I guess make a transition in her career from you know young kid actor to yep. now I'm a woman now and I have a body. And um, Hollywood was more than happy to show that body off. Right, right. And they decided to have a 50-something-year-old Tom Skerritt come in, uh, uh, put his mustache uh, in there and just bristle up the the, the, the <laughs> her belongings. And it's a awkward – I think in retrospect – like, I got to admit, I'll tell you this, Brady. It's really weird watching it as a 30-something-year-old man. You know, what am I, 37? As a 37-year-old man. But – I got to admit, if I had seen this, I've also never seen this movie. I'll tell you this as well. So this was my first watch. If I had seen this when I was 13, 14 years old, oh, my God, I would have been in love. In love. I would have wanted a mustache for sure. I would have like, I want to be Tom Scarrett. I need to be a man now. I want to become a man. 100%. (laughs) And I think that's another thing, actually, about you're, you're bringing up a good point. Like erotic thrillers also, as, as you get older, kind of change. Oh, yeah. Um, it gets weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or it's just like, no, I'm just who I've always been. Like, what are you talking about? And then you like look in the mirror and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm turning into like the guy that can't talk about this stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, it gets so real. Like, um, you know, once you're in your 30s, you do get you you do have those encounters where it's like, I never had a, you know, some teenager, but definitely like being on the apps and stuff, you know, I always make sure to keep the ages to a certain level because I don't want some fucking, I don't even want a 22 year old wanting to date me. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that's already the crush. Like, I don't want, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so paranoid. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, you're not going to get any of my Ninja Turtle references. Uh, <laughs> You're not going to know any of the original Power Rangers, bitch. Fuck you. Get out of here, dude. <laughs> Go have your boba tea. It's like a dick. It's like a little fucking creeping cock. Uh, my, but... first con- my first console was an Xbox 360. All right, we're out. We're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Halo's your favorite franchise. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, although Halo's a great franchise. Okay, yeah, wrong, sure. But yeah, no, I was, taken, I was just taken aback. I just didn't expect... And I'd seen. Have you seen the Crush? Though have you seen? You, I'm sure you. If you're in, so have you never seen the Crush with uh, not. Alicia Silverstone? Mm-hmm. It has a similar vibe, but I will say, this film, Poison Ivy, and tell me if you think I'm off base here. It really does. And I was telling Mike, I was, you know, I, I chat with Mike, Tim, and Maddie all the time, and mm-hmm. I was telling them. This feels like the hand that rocks the cradle producers just went to to a different production company. They were just like, hey, what if we made that hot blonde chick 17? <laughs> we get rid of the baby. Fuck the baby. We don't need a baby. Let's hire Darlene for Roseanne. And um, we're going to put a fucking um, uh, the eye of, of Sauron in her <laughs> side of her head. <laughs> and, you know, and she's going to be kind of. You know, it it just feels like that's something they were trying to do. It's just like let's try to make it, um, let's try to make it real weird. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. As you know from the 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 time that we spent together, I like I like to be studious, right? That kind of gives me like an arm's length distance from from the material, as they like to say in yes. film history class. But uh, I I was reading that uh, one of the producers. This is based off of a real story, a, a situation that she had. 
where a girl moved in and was starting to seduce her dad. So Melissa Godard, one of the producers of this, it's inspired by her real life. Wow. I knew you would have some kind of fucking deep Uh, ass background. Dude, I've got, this is one of like 50. Let's go. I can't wait, dude. I want (laughs) to dig into that fucking mustache. I want to smell all the scents you've had all week, dude. Hey guys, I'm Shelby, host of Addicted to Crime podcast. Join us for deep, chilling dives into the evil nature of criminals, and let's take a closer look at their early life and background to see how they got to the day of the crime. This podcast was created in hopes you pay closer attention to your surroundings and hopefully stay safe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts or else on the website www.addictedtocrime.org. Happy listening, thanks for your time, and stay safe. Also, (laughs) Also, keep in mind, keep in mind, that I am uh, currently unemployed, so I'm you gonna. Got time. Yeah, well, and also <laughs> I've got, <laughs> I've got time, I've got time, and I, uh, I do want you to nuzzle in my mustache, um, which I definitely <laughs> want to talk to you about over the next hour, hour and a half. I gotta and, say, <laughs> okay, oh, go sorry, go ahead. And what? Uh, I will also say uh, I'm doing job interviews, and uh-huh. I, I have not hidden the fact that I podcast on the internet. Let's just say so. Okay. If I'm reserved at all tonight, um, Daniel and dear listeners, it's only because I am trying to get yes. hired. You want to make sure if it, yeah, but I will say I do, I do make sure to put on all my socials and everything. This is, you know, this is, has, this is just, this is, has nothing to do with the opinion of any company we've ever worked for. This is just entertainment. We're having a good time, but at the same time, yeah, let's not, you know, I want to make sure to get you a job, Brady. I'm, I, Thank I'm, you. Yeah, I care about you. I care about that hat that you have on. And if you die, I hope that you pass that down to me. Um, he's wearing a, what'd you say, a 1920s, what was it? A Solid bees hat. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I'm going home. Because of that hat, I just feel like your your mustache smells like like hot dog and mustard. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I was going for honey because of the bee, but I'll, I'll take a... Just, you know, it's got yeah. the pinstripes. So y'all can't mm-hmm. see it. I, I would love to release this on YouTube, but I can't. But uh, at some point, I probably Fair. will move the show to YouTube. But I feel like it has that 1920s, like, hot dog, get your hot dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extra mustard. A simpler time. A simpler, simpler time. time. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, back when you could write songs about 16-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's so many songs back in the day. It's like, she was on the 16 and I loved her. I'm like. What's going on here? Why was I, this a hit? By the way, where did that song come from that you were singing earlier? Oh, that's uh, Turn the Page. Uh, that That's from uh, um, Bob Seger in the Silver Bullet Band. Of course. Yeah, I've sang that. I So when I'm when I'm real fucking three sheets to the wind, that is my go-to song. I go up to that fucking karaoke mic. Hell, there's not even a karaoke mic. I just might just sing it on the bar. And uh, I just let that rip, and people have a damn good time with it. It's a classic. I would have guessed either Seeger or David Allen Coe. I mean, there's just like that certain, there's just that certain, you got to be in that, that country pocket, but like outsider country pocket. Uh, I, I call it Americana. <laughs> All right. Where's your pinstripe hat right now? <laughs> but yes, this movie caught me off guard, dude. Like I, and right away she's doing horny stuff. Like they don't skip a fucking beat. It starts off. Kind of gave me some, I just released, you know, 
uh, I'm not sure when this episode's coming out because I don't have a producer and I'm incredibly unorganized, but I did an episode on the on the killing hour and that starts off with someone just like nervously like putting a shock, you know, chalk um painting or whatever like they're just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this movie starts with that and i was like jesus please don't let this be some fucking uh clairvoyant as fucking bitch and i was like oh, okay good she's just drawing um uh, drew barrymore and she's riding a, a rope swing <laughs> on a with a skirt on and she just looks like she it, you know what it is it's like um the cannonball song from miley cyrus mm-hmm. yep. you know yep. It's like that, and she's doing the exact same motion. These motherfuckers, whoever made this, uh, I, I, you probably have all the details on this, but whoever <laughs> made this movie, oh my god, they knew what they were doing for sure. There was there was some thought into this for sure. Yeah, it was one of those things where like I kind of dismissed this movie based on the cover. Like all the listeners need to like go check out the poster because it's it's got this like. Drew Barrymore shooting her head up to the sky with a black background and like her hair is like this waterfall of like of deception and seduction and you're like oh boy this this thing is this sounds this seems ridiculous and like the the double meaning of her of the name like clearly like this is going to be terrible and then it opens up and you're like okay okay (laughs) this might be the next American Beauty or I guess maybe the proto-American Beauty but uh you yeah. right though, you know, Brady, you mentioned earlier that you, you said it gave off some lifetime vibes with a little extra, you know, because I was talking to, to Mike Justice, who was on the Killing mm-hmm. Hour episode. Yeah. I love that dude. And I mes- messaged him on Instagram because he likes this movie. He actually has and I'll, I'll actually put this in the link in the show notes, y'all, if y'all want to check out his uh, blog on this. He did a top 10 1990s um kind of like trashy thrillers movie list and it's a good <laughs> fucking list this guy compiled and he said poison ivy got 12 it almost made the cut okay and i was telling him that it does give off a lifetime film with this a little extra pizzazz there's a little yeah. fucking you know a little extra sprinkles to it um and you had mentioned that same thing it does give off i think what makes this movie kind of feel <sighs> where you just where i can see why it's not as talked about um, mm-hmm. as it should be. I think it just doesn't have that extra oomph, but it is something that should be talked about. I'm surprised it's not. I've not seen this movie covered by a lot of other podcasts or any other reviewers. Like it, it is an extraordinary film. And it, the way it sets it up is, you know, basically you got Drew Barrymore. She's this new kid at the school and you have Cooper, um, Played by, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know the actress. I just keep calling her uh, yeah. Darlene from Roseanne. Sarah Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert. Thank you so much for that. And uh, she's half black. I'm just kidding. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's, she says she's half black in the movie to try to make friends. Um, and that's resolved within 10 minutes. It's resolved in 10 minutes. Because at first, like in my notes, I was like, uh, no, you're just Jewish. <laughs> why you have curly hair you're not black um, but it really cracked me up when she said that in the <laughs> in the film but it does start off with her just like it i i one thing i'll give the movie we don't even know like kismet meeting she's just happens to be it's like they've already kind of met and she's kind of drawing her while she's swinging on this rope swing and she's kind of the narrator throughout the film which i thought was a pretty good a, a pretty good way to f- to structure the film, to have it right. said through through Cooper. 
I thought that was a good a good idea because she's honestly, I think at the time, I don't want to say for the longevity of the, their careers. You know, I haven't seen all of their work, but I feel like Sarah Gilbert at the time was a. I think she did a slightly better job of acting than mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore is kind of still coming to her own. Everything she says sounds horny, even when she's trying right. not to be. It's very right. weird. And I don't know if that was a directional decision, but she just doesn't have a lot of um, – there's not a lot of depth. It's just very like – you know? I just think that's who she was, man, because like, keep yeah. in mind, this is a this is a girl that like got famous for, as a child actor in E.T. and Firestarter and then went to rehab when she was 13. Was oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, so she was went emanci- through some shit. Yeah. When it was emancipated when she was like 14 or 16, something like that. So, she, and her family was all actors. I mean, her great or her grandpa yeah, she was like, like a legacy of legacy. Right. So I, I feel like there was a lot to live up to. And I, I feel like she's trying to just find her authentic self and like fast forward to now. I mean, she's, she started doing a podcast like a year ago. And if you go listen to it or watch videos of it, She's she's kooky. She's kooky yeah. in a fun way. Like a, yeah, like a, she's very eccentric in a very yeah. fun way. So I think her being horny as a 16 or 17-year-old, like she kind of knows what movie she's in, in a way. So maybe she's like a world-weary... I don't know, man. She's... I, I felt like she was fucking really good. In this and movie. I think the reason why she was really good at... Portray- I think the reason why, you know, Sarah Gilbert comes across as the more uh, thematical, like more, you know... I guess seasoned actor mm-hmm. is because she's having to do a little bit more. She's the one that's going through a lot more changes while right. Drew Barrymore's character, uh, Poison Ivy or Ivy, um, you know, uh, uh, she's kind of staying consistent, which she does a really good job of. And she's just sort of manipulating people like, you know, every corner that she, she makes a cut at, but you're right though. I think, I think the reason why she's so good at playing Ivy, and I haven't seen the other Poison Ivies, but I'm pretty confident that she's probably one of the, the best one out of the other Ivies. Because you had what? You had like Milano, and then you had the the other um, from the Scary Movie franchise. I don't know, man, but the fact that you're just like slipping into the fact that this is a quadrilogy. Yeah, you say, I mean. You, you say you didn't study, but then you're like, you know more about the quadrilogy <laughs> than I do, so. I know, I just know from, I did a little light reading <laughs> while I was jerking off. I'm just kidding. I was, I was not touching myself. I'm a gentleman. But no, no, heads off. Yeah, the whole time I had my, I had the head cuts on when I was watching this. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I'm kidding. But like I just feel like because she's already she had already lived that life just from hearing you mention that she had experienced so much and it went into rehab, she had probably already been in the mix of like all the Hollywood 100%. stuff. Yeah. You know, we know how dark it can get out there. And I think she had already been um eye to eye with all that stuff. So I think yeah. being that way. And being sexual was not a big deal for her because I think I even read that um, even at 17, around the same time, she did some some nude photographs. I'm not, I, I don't remember which magazine it was for, but I think she Playboy. Had already, oh, was it for, of course. Yeah, so it's a little bit, yeah, slightly older, obviously of age, but yeah, not mm-hmm. not too far off. Just a yeah. couple of years later, a couple of years later, mm-hmm. and I'm I, I'm not surprised by that. I think she she was already felt like you know. 
I guess, you know, you've already been exposed this much. Why not expose yourself more? Like if you're comfortable with who you are and you're confident in who you are, like whatever, like, I, I guess that was her decision. Sir, body, she can do whatever she wants, but, uh, uh, still, it's just very the way this movie sets it up. It still made me incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> I have not felt this uncomfortable watching a film, and I have seen some very uncomfortable films thanks to the grind bin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was um, I was shocked by some of this stuff, but I think there's some there's. I gotta ask you this, Brady. I, I yeah. feel I feel this way. I think there's some good. There's some very good things in this film that could have made it even better. But there's some good stuff to take away from this film. Yeah, How like you know about that. Like I was saying earlier, when you're asking me about erotic thrillers, like that's what's cool about them is you're like, oh, okay, like this is fucking like artsy, legit, and interesting. Yeah. And there's some really cool ideas that we'll get into later, like about you know the the dad and like aging and like being with somebody for a long period of time you know and yeah. like getting back on the market after like aging a lot and be like oh god you know like there's there's some really cool thematic shit that like if it was a more competent script or it didn't involve a teenager whatever like whatever you want to attribute it to like it's definitely worth mining uh in uh, in other movies for sure yeah you can see um you can certainly see an influence uh you can see an influence from movies prior to it, but you can also see how this kind of genre influenced yes. other movies, you know, after it. Right. Um, I think The Crush came out, came out maybe a year or two after that. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, y'all, but I think it came out in maybe 93 or 94, and um, that had a very similar vibe to it, very similar motion, uh, flow, whatever. But, like, yes, you know, the movie kicks off. They're, they become friends. Uh, she gets invited to her friends to this new friend's house, Cooper, who she sort of Cooper has self-esteem issues. Y'all. Yeah. Uh, she's um, I think the movie doesn't say it out, you know, too forwardly or too, you know, it's not just laid out for you, but she's a little bit by curious. Mm-hmm. She does kind of mention it in the beginning, but the movie is sort of a, a, has a little bit of a LGBTQ uh, twist yes. to, you know, gen, you know, if for a nineties film is a little different because I feel like the nineties was the most like puritanical time period for the most modern time, mm. you know, mm. that was like the, uh, don't do any drugs. Listen to McGruff, um, <laughs> captain planet. Don't fucking kill the earth. Uh, <laughs> which by the way, you shouldn't, I actually love captain planet, but still like, you know, it was like the most pure time. Like, like so, my mom. Uh, just just a little quick tangent. Yeah, please. My my mom loves watching the Buzzer Channel. It's uh, it's on the it's on the fucking digital antenna, you know. And she, it's the, fuck is, <laughs> it's the logo a B? Like, what's what's the deal here? <laughs> it's not a B. The Buzzer Channel. It's a game show channel. So Buzzer as in boop. Yeah. And um, it has nothing but like '60s, '70s, and '80s game shows. And I like to watch the 70s game shows because the jokes they make are jokes you could never have made in the 90s. They Mm. would never – you would have been, like, fucking exiled from being in any game show, Hollywood Squares, whatever the fuck it is. (laughs) And they would make these jokes, but people were just like, ah, like, they just Mm -hmm. had a fucking ball back then. And I feel like the 90s was just this time, like, no, like, pussies and dicks don't exist. (laughs) We're all Ken dolls down there. (laughs) 
it's just a flat surface. You shouldn't have sex until you're 25. And it was just a weird time. You shouldn't do any drugs. There's gateway drugs. This is your brain on drugs. It's eggs fried, which I love. So, like, I just was so confused in the 90s growing up. Totally. It, it was a tough time to grow up as a kid back then. 90s kids, we have the most conflicting attitudes. If you live in a, I don't know, maybe not every 90s kid, but if you're a 90s kid and you live in a place where le- where weed is legal, I guarantee you when you smoke weed, you still feel like you might be doing something bad because yeah. you have been brainwashed into thinking this is bad. Even if, like, even if you don't think it's bad, in the back of your conscience, you like <laughs> – right so that's like to me the 90s was such a a squeaky clean time that i think even having anything lgbtq related um was sort of a it was it was definitely something it was going to be lightly you know touched on and and really wasn't going to be blatant Mm -hmm. and i do give this movie credit that they do touch on that a little bit and there's even a kind of a girl on girl kiss at the end Uh, i mean there is um, it's for a weird reason, which we'll get into, Brady. We we have a little bit of time here. I try to keep this at a, a decent time, but there's just so much to talk about yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Well, the the going back to Cooper, um, the Sarah Gilbert character. I mean, with her being doing the voiceover, you know, she's admiring Ivy, um, and then like five minutes in is like, but I'm not a lesbian, right? So she's like yeah. overcompensating for yes. her admiration. Uh, of her so there there definitely is like a closeted aspect that i could see like as a queer kid growing up in the 80s or early 90s being like okay like i see myself in this like yeah like in this nerdy nerdy drama girl yeah drama kid and you could easily get lost into somebody that that is because i mean a lot of times in the especially in the beginning of the film cooper mentions like she's the first like kind of girl that dresses slutty that i've ever scene around here and that i could actually be friends with like because you know ivy's character which isn't even a real name she just allows you know cooper to call her ivy because they both get into trouble um the movie does have a very kind of symbolic scene where they're hanging out in the woods i don't i don't know where i guess they're in la but like out in suburbs somewhere that's what i assume yeah and they're in the woods and stuff, and like some fucking bratty ass kids are like, "Hey, yo, a dog got hit." Which, by the way, in the hood, we that happened a lot. We were just like, that, no one ever would report that to the group. <laughs> hey, yo, a dog. It would be like, "Hey, yo, they're shooting up your house, dog. You should probably go <laughs> check on it." So we, nobody was going to report a dog getting hit, but uh, the, they're reporting a dog got hit, so they go and check it out, and the dog is suffering, and it's it's really rough to see it. And Cooper's there, and she's much more. Uh, sentimental about it and she's like oh my mm-hmm. god what should we do what should we do and then ivy comes in and just fucking bashes the dog's brains in but to me it's it's a difficult decision but it's it's very akin to like a zombie film where like your homeboy right. like brady if me and you were hanging out in in portland and there was a zombie outbreak and they bit you i'll shoot you straight in the face because I, I i care what? about you and, well i care about you and i don't want you to become a zombie and kill other people i would never shoot you in the face nah. no matter what really 
<laughs> oh, come on, man. Once, because I would think like, ah, oh, maybe there's an outside chance that like he's got some weird like genetic thing that fights it <laughs> off. So I'll just keep bargaining and bargaining and bargaining until so you're the it's guy that kills millions of other people because you didn't kill me. I could have created a chain reaction that kills all of Korea. <laughs> And you let it happen because you think I might have some kind of weird DNA that's able to fight the virus. Yeah, for sure. I mean, either that or I'm a pussy and I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a quote unquote pacifist. So, you know, you're a pacifist. I think I might, I, cause that's the thing. I sort of almost, it was brutal, but mm-hmm. I honest, I honestly feel like that's a very, it's a difficult and it looks rough. But she honestly gave the dog a lot less suffering by just right. taking him out. He wasn't going to live anyway. They didn't have any way to get him safety. They seem to be way out there. So, but it is brutal. And it, is, it just kind of goes to show you like what she's capable of. I like that the film kind of kicks that off right away. And also there's a character later, as this movie likes to do in parallels, that is like the suffering dog that she mm-hmm. puts out of her misery. Yeah, she kind of can, she can kind of see the weak and, Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. easily take advantage of that and in, in i think even that kind of captures cooper's like um attention she's like holy shit like this she's different than every anyone else right. i've ever met in my life right and so then they go over to cooper's place and cooper happens who she said she was adopted initially but she lives in this giant mansion so at first <laughs> in my notes i'm like fuck this cooper bitch because she like apparently like she called she like called a bomb threat at her dad's job and he's kind of like a right wing reporter but honestly not even close to what we have now like he was just like complaining about you know inner city neighborhoods or whatever. like yeah it's still bullshit but not really a big deal compared to what's going on now but like he's kind of chit-chatting about that shit and she hates that she doesn't agree with him so she calls in a bomb threat and everything and she's kind of like seems she kind of at first I was like, okay, she's kind of rebellious. Like, that's cool. Like, fuck yeah. But then I see where she lives. I'm like, fuck you, kid. Like, yeah. you have you have, you won the lottery. You're adopted. That's the idea, man. Like, that's that's one of the cooler ideas in this movie is that like like her dad, Tom Scarrett, is kind of like a Bill Bill uh, Bill, Riley, Bill, Bill Riley Fox, yeah. Fox News kind of guy that's just like manufacturing problems that rich people yes. are concerned about. Um, and that theme comes up a lot uh, throughout the movie where Cooper is a rich kid kind of just kind of uh, being performative in these kind of suicide, like uh, a teenage girl, like cutting herself and doing these, uh, like saying her, her dad's black and that's what's allowed her to have curly hair. Yeah. But then like Ivy, meanwhile, Drew Barrymore is uh, supposedly not, but she's also performing in a different way. So it's like two teenage girls that are performing, which I think, to your point earlier is one of the more interesting ideas like two kids from di- two different parts of the tracks or whatever mm-hmm. doing the same thing um, yeah they're both overcompensating yeah. for their backgrounds and honestly we never get to um it kind of reminds you of the joker you know the joker always mentions like um in batman lore he has all these different backgrounds of how he became the joker but we never know which one is true and so we can't really take ivy's background of how her mom's a drug addict right we can't really take that for concrete. You know, we can't right. take that as a truth, but I think it's a good reason for her to, to be pitied in a way, or at least to be able to be um, where she comes across humble. So she's able to kind of get her way in. So she's a true manipulator as she seems to be in this film. 
I wouldn't be surprised if none of that shit was true. She just ran away and it's just a real fucking yeah. bitch. <laughs> yeah, totally. 100%. But that's where I think, you know, people, um, let's just say like people who identify as feminists, uh, mm-hmm. uh, often uh, looking at Letterboxd, like give this movie a negative review because they feel like they, they're sympathizing with her running away and her manipulation and her come, being cast as a joker or a villain yeah. as like judging a 17-year-old girl who's from a um unfortunate situ- uh, background. Yeah, cuz her she says her mom had had drug issues and yeah. I think her dad left the picture at some point. So right. she pretty much was brought up by her mom who who was, you know, who's a drug addict and so she yeah, she uh, uh, throughout the film she keeps mentioning uh, references to like yeah, my mom, you know, she was just really never there. And when she was there, like, she was so paranoid that I couldn't even touch her. She would just freak mm-hmm. the fuck right, out. Right. You know, and like, she always asked me if I could hear like cops coming or what What was that sound or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Which is, by the way, the, and this is how I know it's this kind of early 90s, late 80s, because this was when Coke was at its full fucking strength. And I've met a couple of fucking people that, that, uh, really ride the slopes and let me tell you they ask if you hear a siren coming up or if you've heard something outside the door quite a bit and she is a hundred percent correct holy shit i will you know one of the best things about me um you know i grew up you know just smoking weed when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. but luckily my friend's uncles did a lot of coke and when I would see the way they were behaving, and I was just like, holy shit. So when I got offered Coke when I was like a junior or senior in high school, I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I don't, don't want to be that guy. <laughs> a junior in high school? Holy yeah. shit, man. But uh, yeah, like, and then it, what's so funny is so you have the, the whole cocaine thing. But then we meet <laughs> Cooper's mom. Was it Georgie? Was that her name? Did I get that wrong? Uh, what's your mom's name? Yeah, Geor- Georgie. That's correct. By the way, like, <sighs> Brady... I know this is a horny movie. I got to admit, the horniest I got, I got, I like me some Georgie. That is a mm. very attractive woman. And she is of age, y'all. She is, mm. she is a grown woman. She's, she's probably my age. She is your age. She, she mentions uh, being 38. So She's 38. Yep. Yeah, so I'm she's thir- right I'm around. 38, so we're similar age. Yep. She's in our range. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's a couple years older than that because I've met a lot of 37, 38 years old. 38 year olds. Or maybe she just, you know, they, they, you know, some white ladies age a little bit. <laughs> Are you are you an expert on thirty eight year olds? Like that's at this point, I am. I date so many people. <laughs> Masaccio Podcastio, you're an expert on cocaine and thirty eight year olds. <laughs> I thought she was so hot. Like as soon as I saw her, I was like, God, I hope she has more seeds. This chick is so hot. But then she was very much like that one chick in American Psycho that. Uh, that what's his name dates where she she's kind of like cheating on some dude she's with um and she's just like on pills and she's like uh, uh, you know that's mm-hmm. kind of way georgia comes across she's on a lot of pills she's popping the pills kind of like keeping her pain down and apparently she has uh emphysema yes i don't know if that's true i know that sometimes there's i what is that illness it's where like you your brain kind of convinces you that you have sicknesses oh god hypochondriac Yes, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So I couldn't tell if the movie was trying to tell me that she's a hypochondriac because Cooper, uh, you know, Darlene from Roseanne, she kind of keeps saying, like, I think she's full of shit. I think she's just trying to get attention. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of confused by that. Is this bitch dying or not? <laughs> I was just so like, let me know. I can't tell. I want to fuck her, but I don't want her to die. 
so confused. Well, speaking of confused, I was confused for the last two minutes because I was like, is Daniel attracted to like 38-year-old women, a certain characteristic, or is he attracted to women who are dying? Because there's got to be... There's got to be some sort of fetish, right? Like, there's some disturbing scientific term for that <laughs> fetish that, like, yeah. I didn't until you were talking about how shot she was. I was like, wait, where is this going? I don't know what he's trying to convey to me and the public. Yeah, I'm like that cat that that detects when people's gonna die at the senior home. And I just like give you one more, <laughs> then you call it a day, baby. Go ahead and take on, just go on down the river. Uh, well, <laughs> let the record show I did not find her attractive, but I'm usually not a blonde guy because I grew uh, up in the land of the blondes. And, uh, you were uh, so yeah, I was underexposed. Almost everyone was kind of looked native Mexican, you know, Chicana Mexican. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't get a lot of that exposure. So I, I do have a little bit of a soft spot for gingers and and blondes. I, they, mm, yeah, the, ex- the exotic. You like the exotic. They're exotic animal. to me. Yeah, there's, there's not many in San Antonio. I can tell you that. Well, that move, rough. move to Utah, and I will help you help be your help be your dating coach. Whatever. Well, the difference called. between that is that some blonde in San Antonio is gonna know like, oh, let's get some barbacoa. Like, oh, like they know everything. Like where to get all the good shit. But they're blonde, <laughs> so mm. it's kind of fun. If I go enough. to Utah, they're going to be like, hey, "What's up?" You know, like they're not going to be able to know. So it's it'd be a little bit. I'd be kind of like, ah, "You don't know anything about me or my culture." Go away. <laughs> you might be surprised. There's some. Uh, there's some twenty uh, somethings, maybe twenty two year old uh, sister missionaries who come back from their mission to Argentina <laughs> who know Spanish. We already know my rule. If they don't know the Ninja Turtles, they're out. <laughs> so 22-year-old missionary can fuck off. I'm just kidding. But, um, I mean, I got to admit, though, the Ninja Turtles should be some sort of a qualifier if you're in your 30s. If they don't know them, move on. I like you, this. Yeah, it's, you're, it's you're going too it's, young. It's simple and uh, memorable. Yeah, because I do get a lot of, uh, uh, you know, I do get a lot, a lot of friends that are women, and they're just like, if I even date anyone, like even like twenty eight, they're just like, "Why? What? What are you doing? That's so wrong." Blah blah blah. And I'm just like, "Okay, well, I guess I should create some kind of like fucking test." And so mm-hmm. that's what I created. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That way, it's not it's not like a morality thing for you. It's just science. Yeah, it's just science. It's just mm-hmm. it's a matter of relatability. You know, mm-hmm. how how are we going to relate and how are we going to interact with each other? But back to the movie, we have a Tom Skerritt. <laughs> Who he's got a lot of money. He's got a he's got a Mercedes Benz, so we know he's got money. Mm-hmm. That's the way you in the nineties. That's how you knew you had money. You had yes. a Mercedes or a Porsche, you had, right. you know, something like that. Was beige beige leather? Oh mm-hmm. yeah, beige leather. I honestly just bought a car with beige leather. I can't help it. I'm Are a you sucker. Serious? I am a sucker for beige leather. God damn it! I hate of myself. Of course, I make that joke, and it's real. It's so real. <laughs> I love a good beige leather. I love like what rich like I'm one of those guys. I'll buy an old car to be like, this is what some rich cunt drove. And I just want to enjoy his life for a little bit while I'm in my car. I know that's so weird, but I do that all the time. I bought like a Saab 9.4 turbo from like 2006. And, I'm, and I told the I asked the um, the car guy, the, the fucking car salesman cunt. And I asked because we let's face it, they're all cunts. And I told him like, "What was the couple that? What was the guy that fucking brought this in?" He's like, "Oh, it was a Swedish man. A lot of money. He's like seventy years old." I was like, "I want to buy this shit. I want to see what this guy was living with. I want to see. It was like a ten thousand dollar car. I bought it on right there on the spot. I was kind of drunk, but I probably should have done it." <laughs> 
It was one of my favorite cars I've ever owned. And Sobs are actually known for being horrible. But, I, man, I love that car. It was fast as fuck. Had a turbo, V6. Wasted so much gas. God damn it. Just, Captain Planet would have been so disappointed in me. Man. But, and you uh, got to you got to ride. Your co-pilot was a the ghost of a seventy year old Swede. Who's <laughs> Russian? <laughs> like whatever. I, I, that was a horrible. I'm what sorry. Swede. Was that fucking Nazi sh- bullshit? What was that? They Oregon, fought valiantly in, tw- in World War Two. What was? That? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you dirtbag. <laughs> this wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't do a bad impression of a Swedish person. So yeah, like I I do feel like it's an interesting introduction to to you know to Ivy and to the dad to was it is it Douglas uh, Cooper or Daryl Cooper Daryl Daryl Cooper to Daryl Cooper played by Tom Skerritt the mustachioed uh, legend that we're honoring today. Mm-hmm. Which by the way, I hate that you brought me a movie where like I don't like the mustachioed le- like he's plays like a complete garbage human for the most part. He's such a does does he though does he. I mean, he was manipulated, but, like, he was caught. You know, this is very classic. It's like, hey, let's put the guy in a vulnerable state. Let's put him where his wife is, you know, she's got fucking, she's got tuberculosis. Like, she's goddamn Doc mm-hmm, Holliday. Mm-hmm. She's coughing out blood and sucking yep. on oxygen. And <laughs> and she doesn't want anything to do with him because he's too much on drugs. And she doesn't give a shit. And so he's depressed. He's like, oh, my God, my hot blonde wife isn't giving me chon-chon anymore. What am I going to do? And so, like, by the way, did they really need to add the whole thing? Because we get the first interaction with him and Ivy. And, like, right away he notices, like, okay, like, uh, okay, this girl's doing something I don't need to be looking at. So he's, like, trying to avoid it. But she eventually works her way in. Like, what is do you think that that was written well like the way she kind of slowly manipulates her what because what's the kicker uh brady let me tell you what tell me what the kicker was where she really she noticed his fuzzy wuzzies on his wuzzy wuzzy head that was a real kicker of the film where it really turned uh so wait let's see so you're (laughs) referencing when he gets a cut on his head um yeah and she's like i love fuzzy things like kiwis and strawberries and apricots i guess he's supposed to be i think they must have shot this after because i know you know scarrett he's got a a, i mean maybe i'm maybe he's a burt reynolds motherfucker and i don't know but like it looks like they kind of like it looks like he's wearing a top like a uh you know a wig or something i don't know because it looks like he's a little closer there where she's Mm. like fuzzing his head up i don't I think that was probably a hairpiece because he seems like a, a thick, a <laughs> thick haired haired man. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does seem like a thick hair, like three C's thick haired man. And, but I think they did that as like a way of like, you know, I think there's something for her especially... to be able to for her to be able to touch him. Yeah, like now, you know, fucking, you know, balding men are, are sought after. You know, Brady knows this. Yeah, Brady. <laughs> Brady knows this like women love it but like back then it was like oh my god I need to wear you know I need to wear something a, a piece to try to blend it in yeah. and everything but she catches him in this vulnerable state he's like right up the stairs and shit I think so doesn't that happen after the uh sunbathing scene where she's kicking it in her cowboy boots and he yes he knocks him over the edge and they're in the in the pool and then he hands her money 
but reluctantly because she's like, oh, those were boots that cost $150. And he's like, well, I got cash. Here you go. Like, let me absolve yes. myself of like your horse shit. But then like, it was like money made them horny. I don't know what that scene was where it's like he handed it to her. She went to go grab it. And he's like, no, money is power. Like, let's let's have a little tete-a-tete. It could be a little bit of like, you know how there's like there's like those dudes out there that make a lot of money. And I'm pretty sure neither of us are those guys, but like they make so much money that they get turned on by giving hot women money. Mm -hmm. It's a whole thing. Like that is their thing. I I wonder if it was like that power exchange, like, you know, Daryl Cooper is so used to being in charge and having such an influential position that he's like, oh, my God, for once, I'm the I'm kind of the cuck here. Like I'm kind of the simp. But then he he hesitates. Yes, you're 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 hitting it on the head where it's like he's ready to hand it over like any other transaction he's ever had in his life relationship wise. But then as he's handing it over to her, he realizes that if he gives her the money, she's going to have some power. And he's like, do I actually want to give over some power to the 17 year old? Because I know that this is going to be dangerous. Yes. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'll give Tom Skerritt's character is that. Every step of the way, he's very reluctant, uh, at least the way it's written. But also, (laughs) he could have just easily he could have just easily said, "Don't ever come to my house again." It's his fucking house; (laughs) like he owns the whole mansion. Be like, "Fuck off!" Like, base because the movie sort of tells us, or at least through uh, you know uh, Darlene from Roseanne's character, I can't remember her first name, but I just know her last name's Coop. That she fucking Sylvie. 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 Sylvie keeps saying like, oh, yeah, she basically moved in because she was living with her aunt at the time and her aunt was happy that she moved out, blah, blah, blah. I do feel like that was one of the the leaps in the jump, hop, skip and a jump a little too far where it's like, wait, (laughs) why she's part of the family? Yeah, where it's like, I think what they were going for was that she like it was a bit of a pity party and they recognized that this their teenage daughter who was problematic was uh, or not problematic. Jeez, it was having problems. Um, yeah. uh, had a friend fi- fine fucking finally she has finally a, friend. a friend maybe she's a little freaky deaky but we'll deal with her her yeah. uh you yeah know, she's her- got the eye of sauron on the side of her head but oh it's the eye of horus so i just like this <laughs> i just like the eye of i do like how you keep insinuating that tolkien's just taking like egyptian <laughs> symbology it's it's great <laughs> Oh no! There's so all those all those lord of the rings heads are gonna be annoyed. getting really bad right now yeah <laughs> It's okay. Anyone that listens to Castillo, they're the most cash fuckers out there. They're the ones that just like, you know, they go through records and they just hit on bartenders or perverts, you know, so <laughs> they're fine. Yeah. But yeah, no, I do relate to that. You're right. Yeah. It is a little jump and a skip. You're right. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden she's living there. She gets close to the mom because at first the the mom, Georgie, judges her because she catches him in the worst conversation ever where fucking Ivy's like, you know how I want to kill myself? He's like, I'd like to jump off a building and, you know, I, I will give uh, Sylvie credit. She goes, but you're going to be in pieces. Like your, your whole insides are exposed to everybody. It's a disgusting way to die. And then the mom walks in right at that moment because at the time, at that time, Ivy thinks that that Sylvie actually tried to kill herself because she has a scar on her wrist, but we later find out that she just hurt herself at some point and cut that. Right. right. Sylvie is such a, a fucking desperate cuck. Like she just wants yeah. a friend so bad that she's willing to just make up stories of how badass she is. But she's really just a rich kid 
that's been giving she's an only child she's been giving every she's been given everything she's ever wanted and has never really had to compete for anything so to make herself interesting she has to like come up with bullshit which is sad it's it's unfortunate yeah, like uh, you got uh, Suburbia, you know, yeah, uh, that movie with Penelope Spheris directed, and like that's the area that I grew up in in suburban Salt Lake. It was that way where it's like just this kind of race to whoever can be the most suicidal, yeah, um, and desperate. Like that was their way of finding friends. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I I met and hung out with a number of teenage girls. Yeah, that, that would just come up with shit to try to make themselves interesting, yeah. like. Yeah, they were all into like fucking um what's that Jake Gyllenhaal movie with the stupid rabbit? Uh Donnie Darko. They're just in a Donnie Darko. <laughs> they were they're Trent Reznor, uh <laughs> Maynard Keenan, yeah, Kathleen Cat what's her name? Kathleen Kathleen Turner? No, Kathleen O'Hara. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say Kathleen Turner. Kill. Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, bikini kill. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, that was a different um that's one thing I will tell you about this film is I can't relate to much of it. I did not grow up in a suburban area and um but I I have seen obviously I've seen movies like this and I've met people that grew up in this kind of environment and you're right, Brady. Like I feel like it is a struggle to try to relate to somebody um if not if like basically it's really difficult if you can't fit the cookie cutter of what's normal you know, normal, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, like a normie, and you're not just some person that can just blend in with anyone else. What do you fucking do? There's nothing to really right. make it different. And I will say the thing I could relate to to um, uh, Sylvie is that, you know, as a kid that grew up in my neighborhood in the inner city and everyone was, you know, fucking machismo and tough as nails. And it was, you know, it was all about gang culture and drugs in drug dealing <clears throat> me being such a nerdy motherfucker and <laughs> i sounded just like this i didn't sound like my friends who were like hey what's up bro like i I, mm-hmm. I sounded like this and so it was it was very difficult for me so i just mostly got into like skate culture like just getting into skateboarding and punk rock and stuff like that like i had to find a subculture to feel like i was a part of something i was never going to be a part of the main popular 100%. you know part yeah. of our school so like that kind of helped me find a way to get acclimated that's when i started my own band when i was in ninth grade i started as soon as i could that's as soon as i dope, was 14 man. years old i started singing punk because i was like this is gonna be it i'll find some friends we'll meet each other we'll go from there i feel like podcast is very similar so i can kind of relate sure. to <laughs> i feel like i feel like podcasters are, are in the same vein it's like we're a bunch of fucking weirdos that just like <laughs> to talk about shit we like and we like to find people that are also like to talk sh- about yeah. shit we like. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah, that's that's fucking rad. I mean, being in ninth grade and like just like being able to coordinate or be a part of something that requires. I, I recognize like punk is chaotic and sloppy, yeah. and people don't know how to play their instruments. But still, it's like it's a that's a cool way of like, yeah, man, literally your energy, man. Wearing a anti flag yeah. uh, t shirt, which was one of my favorite punk bands growing up as a kid, and. uh I still follow the guys, you know, I don't, I don't listen to them as much uh, as I used to when I was young, but I, I do follow them on Instagram and they had the, uh, the, uh, die for the government t-shirt. And that was the first single I ever heard from them. And I was like, Oh my God, I got to buy this t-shirt. Like, I know, I know I'm an old man now. I'm a fucking, I look like a skater dad. Uh, <laughs> even though if I skated right now, I'd probably break my jaw or break a rib or some shit. 
but uh i couldn't help it man like i just i still have a love for that music it's so much fun and it it brought me together with so many people that to this day if even if i haven't seen them in five six years it's like we have we just saw each other yesterday you know it's Mm -hmm. just that connection you know uh it's a special thing so i feel like stevie is that same way she's just trying to fucking reach out and try to find something that she can relate to she just doesn't know how to she's Mm -hmm. just uh so she's trying to relate to ivy and she gives it her best try, but unfortunately, it's through a lot of manipulation. But, you know, Ivy is obviously the better manipulator, which is kind of yeah. funny. Mm-hmm. We start off with with Stevie being the the, the main manipulator, or Sylvie. I keep wanting to call her Stevie. Sylvie being the, the main manipulator in the beginning, but actually Ivy is like fucking top tier. This, right, she, right. She, she should be a politician. She's mm-hmm. got skills. Holy shit. Right, because like Sylvie, with back to the class thing, it's like Sylvie has has power over here, whether she recognizes it or not. But being able to like usher her into her home, it's like, oh, like I'm I'm using this power, and then she eventually comes to resent her because she realizes that Ivy is slowly replacing her um, yep. and her mom. <laughs> it's crazy, like how she just comes in and just takes over. Like it's insane. She. And I don't know if, like, at first when she saw her mom, she was like, okay, that's someone I could totally relate to. Or she just saw her as an easy target, like, oh, she's sick. I can kind of convince her to, like, I don't know exactly how that happened because the movie doesn't get too much into it. It's just, like, all of a sudden they liked each other, kind of. You know, she could kind of relate to each other a little bit. I feel like the mom, uh, played by Cheryl Ladd, uh, Georgie. um, Cheryl I think Cheryl, yep. She, um she recognized herself in Drew Barrymore's character. Yeah. So I think there's a bit of that where uh, she allowed Ivy to kind of get close to her um, because she was desperate. Obviously she had a family that was kind of sick of her shit. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. like that's a very bleak part of this movie, which I think is top notch actually is like a person who's dying, like people, wanting them to feel better or like move on. Like you're stuck in this weird in between space. Yeah. Um, and so I, the fact that Ivy was kind of willing to be there question mark for her, I, I think that, and like, sorry to like for her to like look through her photos and like see herself kind of look the same as Ivy. I think yes. that's where the wedge was kind of driven. Yeah. Cause we do get us, you know, we get a scene really quick uh, during the montage of her and the mom, you know becoming you're my best friend like i can kind of hear that song going on because the music throughout the throughout the movie is very dramatic but you could put a lot of i was honestly telling uh mike justice that they should have played a duel of the fates from star wars during the uh, dog scene (laughs) where that is the heaviest because I remember me and my ex-wife used to do that. And and I knew that my ex-wife would win, but it was always fun to try to get my dog to like it was always a fun game to see a dog like, oh, I don't know where to go. But I actually in this scene, I felt kind of bad for the dog. Dude. Like, holy shit, poor that guy. Was, that was fucking bleak, man. Like putting a dog in putting a dog in that situation, it's like, what's worse? A dog getting its head uh bashed in by a rock or like <laughs> asking two people to have a dog come to them and being like i don't know i love them both i guess i gotta pick that bitch got bones i'm gonna <laughs> she's got snacks she's got the scooby snacks i'm gonna go to drew barrymore and she's I... also you know it's drew barrymore 
also she know or the dog knows that like when they pick the other the other human that the other human's going to be devastated so it's, there's like this guilt and it shame sucks. yeah you know the dog knows that it's, it's yeah like, this is a rough scene dude I, oh my god man because yeah you know as, as as it gets going you know i think one of the most pinnacle scenes in the uh in the movie is when we get that quick scene during the montage where georgie shows ivy this orange like she's showing her like all her dresses and stuff because i think another reason why she sees a lot of herself in ivy is she has a daughter who's a little bit more like doesn't want to wear all this bullshit like elegant bullshit she's more like i just kind of want to be in comfortable clothes i'm not trying to be like some elegant ass like fucking girly girl you know what i mean and uh, ivy's different she's like wants to look like she's gonna go to the club every day and she sees this orange dress i love the fact that the movie shows that and she wears that exact same cocktail dress because the dad is in risk of losing his job because of what happened with the bomb threat so he's trying to make up for it by inviting all his comrades and worker people and all his bosses over to his house because he's already rich so it's like bill o'reilly and like he's like hey come on over i'm gonna give you all my booze i'm gonna give you all the food and i'm gonna give you a good time because i'm just wanting to win you over so you don't fucking fire me and he and fucking ivy fucking we didn't mention this but apparently sylvie tutors low like low income kids <laughs> that was such a great subplot in reading <laughs> and i think i think ivy tells her wow total white girl shit or something like that i was like god damn bitch like shit, you just met her damn <laughs> holy she's trying to help out the kiddos oh man i just yeah that that, that was thing. a real weird twit like a and you knew like as soon as she mentioned that and she's it's so out of nowhere she just sort of says it and you're like oh that's definitely going to come into play throughout yeah at some point right. in the film it's it's got to it's too fucking weird for someone to say that like oh yeah i tutor some inner city kids about <laughs> <laughs> i tutor some was, fucking kids and of course it's the one black guy in the movie who's like yeah. come along <laughs> Yes, I come hang out with Hang out with me. He might be the only black man in the movie. God damn it. 1992, you son of a bitch. This is why I covered Meteor Man. Uh, (laughs) An early 90s film full of black people, except for Cosby. Fuck that guy. Uh, Oh, man. (laughs) But anyway. And he's so, and and the black dude is so satisfied that Ivy's stepping in. It's like, Ivy's like, no, you go. So, like, you don't, you're not there for your dad's, like, fundraiser, like, little, yeah, pity party, like, get together. And the guy's like, all right. She understands any city black children. (laughs) Yeah. She understands that we, (laughs) it's so funny if you think about it. This is, is, because he looks like he's in his mid 20s or something, at least. Yeah. And he's giving, this teenage girl uh sylvie so much shit i'm like dude she's a kid like she's giving up her time to help out these kids you're like man all these kids go to school because of her like you're just letting them all down like they're all gonna fucking become they're just gonna shoot up homes and fucking become gangbangers because of you it was like jesus christ dude it's a kid man give her a little bit of like damn dude that was fucking bleak it was rough i was like okay whatever 
movie has to do what it has to do, which is get rid of Sylvie so that way Ivy can get fucking all slutted up and fucking Georgie's clothes. And so we have the cocktail, the you know, the whole cocktail party, and she's rocking around. And she, as one thing I'll give the film, I do love that at the beginning of the movie, Ivy's hair, you know, Drew Barrymore's, Drew, Drew Barrymore's hair is very like curly and kind of messy and wild. Mm-hmm. But then as the as the movie goes on, it becomes more and more straight, more like the moms. Daniel, you're ready to write essays for Criterion Collection. <laughs> you <need> little booklets. <laughs> Put that shit in a remastered Blu-ray for Poison Ivy. You're, you're ready to go. I just noticed it. I was like, she's becoming the fucking mom. Dude, you're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> Let's expand this. Let's expand this to like a five page like booklet. You're ready to go. God We're, damn it. You're switching careers. I'll have Mike Justice Ghost write it for me. Uh, <laughs> I got the time for that shit. And I I'll be your manager. It. It's just like the three of us are just like <laughs> you and I are glomming on to Mike Justice and it's just like, <laughs> Yeah, he's the talent and uh he, yeah, I'll take us to the moon, man. But yeah, like I did notice that. Like, and she's at the cocktail party, and she's got the hair. She's straightened it out. She's got it tied up. She's wearing the orange dress that is the mom's, and she's being around. But it was so creepy. Is like there's other staff members from his network, you know, the TV mm-hmm. network, and they're like, Jesus Christ, look at this fucking servant here. Like they're like, like there's some guys ready to jump her bows, or they're like forty years old. It's it's they just sexualize the shit out of her in this movie, and it's it's incredible incredibly uncomfortable i was like holy shit but that's what the movie's trying to do is like to show like you know i don't know if this is true or not i remember reading this in some fucking article at some point in my life and it was like oh yeah like a big reason why there's a lot of like old men old men that are kind of creepers like not so much like creepers like you know teens but like to young women where like some 25 year old will see some 65 year old checking her out or trying to flirt with her is that apparently even when you're an old man like even when you're 65 a 75 year old man you still have the same you still are attracted to the you you have the same brain of attraction than when you were like in your 20s so if you see like a 25 year old woman you're still like hey what's up lady (laughs) even though you look like a fucking scrotum sack in in human form right 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 you know you look like a wrinkly cornflake ready to just fall apart dude dude, that's what i'm saying like go go look at youtube videos of people like in their 70s or 80s being interviewed just like people on the street where it's like hey like you know some guy you know some influencer douchebag that looks like you and me but younger it's like hey what is it like to be old and they're like well you know i'm exactly the same i I was but i look in the mirror and i i'm like oh god i'm about to die you know and i think there's there's so many people like that and i'm sure you and i are going to be the same where you and i are going to act exactly the same in hopefully 30 years um unless you don't want to be alive in 30 years which is a different conversation we'll see what happens flip of the coin yeah but you know <laughs> but we both still look pretty good i feel like we look pretty good for our age when i'm wearing my salt lake bees hat 100 percent. yeah you look great you know i got you know i got some biceps you know i'm working on it you know i'm still lifting weights <laughs> brady's showing off his guns <laughs> jesus christ he's got a free ticket to the gun show over here <laughs> And they don't even have guns in Portland, I don't think. I mean, maybe uh, on the outside. The we, we voted them away. I voted <laughs> against it. Measure 10. I'm now on public record. 
now let's talk about it. Uh, Daniel, you want to talk about measure 10 for the next five minutes? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for the Patreon, which hasn't even been, which actually doesn't exist for the podcast. Still. Um, I would never start a Patreon. I'd be like so sad to see that the only $10 is going to my account per month. I'd be like, oh, look at that. Jesus Christ. I don't have that. I, honestly, the reason I've never started a Patreon is I'm thinking, I don't have time to do that. I yes. look at all my friends that have them, and I'm like, I, I, can't, I can barely keep up with this. Yeah. No, you're trust your trust your gut. Yeah, I'd rather give it to people for free. And if ever, you know, if I ever have the time, I, I might consider it. I think it would be kind of fun to have some extra stuff on Patreon. But we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Well, someday, maybe. But yeah, like so, we get that whole cocktail scene. That's when we get the first, like, you know, where, you know, Scary kind of notices her, and he's like, she off. She he's like, hey, give me a little bit of wine, and she's like, aren't you like not drinking anymore? He's like, well, <laughs> he sounds like me, by the way. He's, like, he's like not me. exactly like <laughs> me. Like, I was gonna. I knew we were gonna have this conversation where it's just like, dude, kindred spirits. You and I may or may not have the same relationship to alcohol. That's all. That's all I'll say. It's a very neutral statement. <laughs> He's like, "Well, I'm not an alcoholic, but I had an alcohol problem. <laughs> I had a drinking problem, and you know what? It's been a, quite a while since I've had a drink, so I don't see a big reason. Yeah. Like, I don't see a big reason why I shouldn't have that's, a bit of wine. That's why. That's why I should have a drink. Yeah, that's why I should have a drink. I was never an alcoholic. I just had a drinking problem. There is a thin line but mm. there was a fucking line mm-hmm. he's like i almost felt like he should have said do you know how successful i am yeah like, mm-hmm. has it affected me so far yep and so like honestly i feel like most alcoholics it's like it's not until you like lose everything we're like oh that's the problem yeah i'm an alcoholic holy shit i didn't but, realize it but until then the logic is sound and you're the smartest person in the room yes so he decides to take a sip of that <laughs> champagne and jesus christ tom scared gets himself back in the fucking vortex of alcohol <laughs> the lovely warm vortex and he sees her uh the party's over he sees her I, honestly i wasn't sure if this was diegetic music or if this was happening in the film but i guess it was diegetic because it's playing uh, it's this romantic ass music playing, which, by the way, you get a lot of early '90s like super cheesy ass uh, music in this movie. You get some of the mm-hmm. stuff that seems kind of like corny as fuck, and you get overly like too much saxophone. It's like really oh, yeah. weapon. Yeah, you get a lot of that. As as my as my uh, co host Allison says, the saxophone is the sound of a woman's vagina. <laughs> God, I love her. She's. <laughs> So they're they're out there. There's the saxophone playing, and they start they start getting close. They start dancing a little bit, and they're about to really get into the nitty gritty. And that is when Georgie comes in. She turns on the lights, turns off the music. Everyone gets dry, and she's like, "What is going on here?" And she breaks up the party. And then I love the fact that the way Ivy manipulates this situation because she's pissed off. They go to her bedroom. Yeah. And she's all fucked up, too. So that kind of helps. She's, like, on pills. We see her take some pills before that that she has hidden in a closet or some shit. And she's in her bed. And Ivy says, well, I think I think uh, Daryl was just confused because 
he hadn't seen you in this dress in a long time. And, you know, he, he had a little bit too much to drink and he thought I was you. He just loves you so much. I just look like a fresher, younger, sexier, prettier version of you. Right, right, <laughs> and right. she just, imme- he just immediately wanted to jump my bones. But then you came around and he was like, holy shit, that's my wife, not you. And she's like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> and she's like, you know what? <laughs> I could use a little bit of wine. So the, she takes one sip of wine like it's goddamn fentanyl, and she just knocks out on the dot. <laughs> I've never taken a sip of anything. It's just like, Whoop. well, she takes a shit ton of pills too. That's true. She's already fucked up, so yeah. it wouldn't take much for her, no. uh, in movie logic for her to get like knocked the fuck out. Yeah. Um, and so she knocks out. And Brady, tell me what you feel about this scene. The fact that right by her bedside, this if this is. If, this is the kind of shit that you know what's so funny is that right now, right now, every listener here, go on some porn site. I don't give a fuck where you go. Pornhub, Spank Bank, XNXXX. I don't care where you go. X videos. I know them all. Go there now. Look at the top, the top ones. It's some shit like this. Someone getting cucked. There's just like it's you're just on the bed of some sleeping mom and the dad is like fucking her <laughs> stepdaughter or some creepy gross shit like that because this fucking country is just full of garbage humans. Uh, oh man, this was this was confusing. This was uh not what i wanted i wanted just i just wanted icy stares i wanted knowing glances you know i'm i'm a british i'm a british drama guy so like when it when it actually shows what my brain is actually thinking like it's not i'm like no this is a bridge too far like i'm not okay with this yeah you want to live a little to nuance you know like i don't want to see it happen i just want to think it happened yeah you know like it's distasteful this is just this is because we see that goddamn push brum broom mustache just work his way up this 17 year old thighs no i just kept i just kept expecting like a stunt double where it's like clearly he's like making out with a a, an older woman and then oh i'm so stupid i thought it was a a stunt a stunt mustache I was like, oh, that's her legs, but that's definitely some woman with a mustache. Are you serious? Are you not joking? (laughs) You and I are having the inverse. The inverse. I thought it was a stunt. A stunt. uh, uh, Tom. What the fuck is going on right now? It's like no, that's that's clearly that's clearly scary, Barry. That's uh, you're right. I don't know why I didn't think that. You're right. It should have been cameras on his face. Yeah, stunt legs. I mean, they have stunt assholes and stunt, you know, what? they have stunt, you know, they have, well, not stunt assholes, but they have stunt ass cheeks and stuff for actors. Oh, yeah. So they could have used a stunt person for her legs and stuff because they never show her face while he's like working his way up in there, you know, but like, mm-hmm. I was just like, no way. I didn't think this movie was going to go there. <laughs> no. And it gets no. worse later, but like, I was just like, holy yes. shit. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, I think I wrote, um, what room are they in? Question mark. That was but that was my coping mechanism. Was that I was <laughs> right by the mom in her in her weird. I was... By the way, the mom has the weirdest fucking bedroom ever. It's like <laughs> kind of gothic style. Yeah. Gary Oldman in uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, yes. Dracula, Bram Stoker's yes. Dracula. Yes, very Gary. <laughs> Very <laughs> You're right. That's a perfect description of that. 
whatever. Yeah, that whole concubines. concubines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I know. It was just like it. It so he eventually kind of takes a step back. He's like, "What am I doing?" But then, like the next day, we see that Scarrett is like, "I like." He kind of <laughs> he pours. What a bitch, though. He like pours some vodka and he sniffs it. He's like, "I don't want to drink this." He's like, "You know what? I kind of do." And he's like, "Yeah, he yeah, drinks yeah, it. yeah." And then his daughter comes in and. Sylvie and she comes in and she's being all daughter like and whatever asking him questions and stuff I don't, even, I don't even remember what she says but in and she sees that I guess there's like a fucking house ghost and it like opens the mm. cabinet and she sees the vodka bottle behind him the like, Swedish ghost yeah goddamn Swede ghost yeah fucking the cunt. the Swedish the, the Swede that uh, gave you the sob is just <laughs> accidentally tipping the absolute vodka out onto the dad's shelf <laughs> There you go. You're getting closer. There we I'm go. Getting closer, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. There's no way anyone listens to this in Sweden. It's Swedish. It's Sweden. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're definitely not listening to it anymore. But yeah, she sees that. She's like, "Fuck you, Dad. You piece of shit." She takes off the to school. Um, but yeah, it's this whole conflict where now we have a little bit of confusion now. So now Scarrett is kind of like, "Well, that happened, but I know that was wrong." But I can't help but, like, do you feel like the initial intent of Ivy was to take over this household? Or do you think it just happened because she got triggered and was like, like, do you think this was initially her big plan? Or do you think she kind of played it on ear? Like, she was just kind of like, oh, I'm in this situation. This seems like the best thing to do. I can't tell if she's like a master evil person. Or she just sort of like is damaged, and she's just sort of doing what she feels like is what she, you know, naturally wants to do. I, I think know. this. I think this is where the criticism of the movie is legit. Where it's like she just back to what we were saying earlier about Joker, and um, yeah, yeah, it's just like it's just this like yeah, she's outside of the movie. She's she's lording over everybody. She's the puppet master, and that's very strange um, for seventeen year old. But again, that if it's based on a producer's real story, maybe that's how they felt, or maybe that's really what happened. I mean, Drew Barrymore was immature for her age. And so casting somebody that like was of the tone of what they were trying to get for or go for. Yeah. Maybe this is some weird outlier of an outlier. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel like there are, I mean, I, I, I feel like there are plenty of people, especially like I would imagine some of your more, prominent serial killers um i'm sure all the yeah. pod moth network podcasts are really loving this <laughs> uh, but i feel like you're some of your prominent serial killers are probably very manipulative even at a very young age yeah. you know that that's the only way you could become such a master at it that you're able to get get away with uh taking so many lives um you know and and being able to pull that off i think you have to have that sort of it's a weird mix of confidence and sometimes overly confident because there's a lot of moments in this film where ivy does shit where i'm like i don't know if it's just the fact of that she's just some young white chick or they live like out in the out kind of in the suburban outskirts kind of not even suburbia it's more like even more out there they have a lot of wilderness and shit where she just is able to get away with a lot of stuff like you know she sees that car she sees this awesome fucking corvette that um that scarrett has and it's mm-hmm. it's great she she sees it at first and honestly throughout the film her and sylvie have little fights like they have a little fight over a tattoo where you know she already has ivy already has tattoos 
That's what kind of makes Sylvie kind of interested in her in the first place. That's why she calls her Ivy because she has this like cross um, with some Ivy on it, which isn't even a real tattoo, by the way. It's a mm, stick on. Not cool. <laughs> go big or go home. What a poser. Yeah. Loser. <laughs> go to Spencer's, you stupid bitch. <laughs> go to <laughs> Ross. Yeah, little asshole. This bitch shops at Hot Topic to get yeah. her fucking studded belts. You go to Build a Bear for your fucking nephew's Christmas <laughs> gift, you little <laughs> asshole. Whatever. She's never been. She's never been to a real fucking punk show ever in her life. But she looks like she has been. I will say, like, she does look like a total poser. Like, if I ever saw yeah. Ivy's like that person back in the day, I was like, that's a fucking poser. Like, she's just yeah, angry at totally. the world, and she's totally. not really like. She's not cool at all. Totally. You know, but, uh, you know, Sylvie doesn't know any better because she's just a little rich kid that does, you know, she, she's trying to rebel and shit like that. But we, that's what makes the, and honestly, Sylvie kind of looks like if they ever make, a, a, if they had ever made Harry Potter a female, Jesus Christ, this would have been the time. This oh, would have been, yeah. man, she looks like Harriet Potter, this bitch. Like, mm-hmm. she looks like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Mm-hmm. She, because it kind of has Harry Potter glasses. Right. Um. She's very like, kind of nerdy and quaint. Like I don't know. She would have been a perfect Harriet Potter. Right. Uh, but you know, we might never never get to see that. I don't know if um. I heard that that author. I'm not a big Harry Potter guy, but I heard that that author is a little bit problematic. So gee, I don't I'm know not going mean. there. I mean, I'll talk to you about like Portland gun laws, but I'm not talking about J.K. <laughs> <Ryan. laughs> Yeah, don't school me on J.K. Rowling. We're already at a, an hour twenty. We can't, we can't get into the, the politics of J.K. Rowling. But I just know that she's a dumb bitch. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure everybody would agree. Uh, I but I really have never read a Harry Potter book in my life, and I've only seen movies through force. I don't really like wizardry that much. I'm sorry, yeah. y'all, but it's fine if you like it. It's fine. I do like some fantasy films. I just don't really like the wizardry. And child British accents kind of annoy me after a while. That's fair. But if I you think the later Potters, I would mm-hmm. probably like when mm-hmm. he's older and they're just not like Harry Potter, you mm-hmm. know, like they were mm-hmm. a little young, you know, they're too young. I like, uh, you know, I'd like, I think I'd like when they're a little darker. There's two threads here. I mean, British people and wizardry. And I'll just say, like, if you can set British people aside and just focus on wizardry, play Elden Ring if you haven't played it yet. Um, it's but... on my list. I need to All play right. it. All right. I think I would well, like it. I'm. Uh, I'll start a Elton Ring podcast and have you on. Nice, that would be fun. I mean, honestly, one of my favorite films of all time. It's in. It's in my top five. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Is Excalibur from the eighties? Like, <laughs> I fucking love that movie. Merlin could fucking kill every wizard ever. The primary uh, influence for Elden Ring, clearly. Probably. I mean, it's up there. <laughs> Yeah, dude, fucking Dragon's Breath and fucking, dude, I love that fucking movie. I talked about it on, uh, if y'all ever want to hear me talk about, I, I, there's, there's not any prominent mustaches in that film. I guess I could probably find one, but I did talk about it on everything I love from love. Uh, uh, oh, cool. From movies. Nice. Um, and if so, if you ever want to check me out and defend that movie for the life of me, because mm-hmm. it was coming in, uh, Steve did like. <laughs> 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 nobody liked it but i was coming in and i was like i'm gonna defend this movie i love that film so if you all haven't seen it go revisit excalibur it's yeah right damn good time and a hot minute for sure go check it out man maybe, maybe we'll cover it it might be kind of fun you should. It might be kind of fun um so yeah so 
the, the movie eventually becomes a sort of situation where Ivy's taking over. She fucking ends up. They have that whole dog duel. Um, she's basically like even even Sylvie's like Jesus. This chick is just like unstoppable. She got my mom to like her. My dad's cool with her. Even this dog that doesn't like anybody now loves her. And it's weird. Like, I think she did that on purpose because she heard Sylvie say that, like, oh, my dog doesn't like anybody. She's like, oh, well, I'll get his love. Right. It's like her weird power is like, I I want to have a one up on everyone. Like, she would be the worst best friend. Like, you yeah. would introduce her to your new boyfriend. She'd be like, oh, I'll get him to want to fuck me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. What the yeah. fuck is wrong yeah. with you? You monster yeah. human. Yeah, no, I mean, that? clearly she is a master ma- manipulator, so. She is, and she's probably has some mad trauma or whatever. We don't know because we don't really know anything of her story of, like, whether it's real or not. But she becomes this nuisance, and, um, or even more than that, she becomes an incredibly, um, she just explodes that family apart because at some point, mm-hmm. it's weird. We have this diegetic <laughs> music playing and I mean, this scene with the mom, man, because we see a couple, we see one or two scenes where the mom is like, obviously, like, she's, uh, she's fucking doing Jenny from Forrest Gump. This bitch is going up on the fucking balcony with a fucking Freebird on. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, questioning her life, and she's just ready to take a dive to, I mean, obviously, I honestly feel like you maybe might not die from that high. I would just go to a higher building, but whatever. She wants to die from her fucking third floor balcony or whatever. I think you just might, you know, maybe bust a spleen and break some legs mm, and shit. But um, maybe we should try it. Makes some sense for the sequels, by the way, because uh, apparently Ivy lives, uh, even though she looks like she fucking dies. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, like the mom is like, we know that she's suicidal. And so then and so did Ivy know, like Ivy saw this. And so then Ivy realized, oh, this is a good opportunity for me to fucking throw this bitch off a cliff. And and then I can um, I can basically like the good son her and, and I can get the dad. Yes. He's very good son level. Like, you know, mm-hmm. bitch, I'm going to throw you off. So she throws the mom off. And at the same time, I think just before that, when they got the there's a Corvette scene where she grabs a Corvette that, that was the dad's and she takes um Oh, this is after, actually. This is after. That's after. That She kills the mom. She throws her off the balcony. And then uh, Sylvie comes up. And as soon as she sees Sylvie, she hides. And Sylvie looks, and she finds that her mom is dead. And But at the same time, there is some music playing that becomes significant at the end mm-hmm. of the film for no mm-hmm. reason. And so then afterward, I guess, I don't know what, I guess... Ivy feels bad, so she's like, I'll take her for one drive, one last. Do you think this was like this was part of her plan? Was yes, like, yeah. The more we get, talk get, about it, the more we so, talk about it, that I realize that she's she's like this puppet master that like is the God. you know, yeah. She typed in the cheat code uh, Doom and just was like walking through walls and shit and just <laughs> you know what I mean? Infinity fucking yeah. yeah she is powerful dude and she doesn't yeah. even know how to drive stick shift and she learns yeah. that shit right off the fucking cuff. so she's she's putting the fucking ashes in this with the seatbelt on you know which i may may, I may or may not yeah i may or may not have done that with my dog's ashes um I, no i haven't i'm totally kidding i'm totally kidding um but it gave me ideas <laughs> that's amazing but yeah it was just so so strange to be like all right ashes let's go but then you realize that she's trying to embody the the wife 
the mom and she's the Corvette or whatever is like representing the mom. So like for her to like seductively drew Barrymore to like seductively, like brush the dust off of the, the hood of the car is like her trying to essentially get into touch, into touch with uh, the mom and try to feel the ghost of the mom, just like the sob Swedish yeah. ghost. <laughs> just like just like you do with the sob sob hood every day before before you turn that key one of the one of the preconditions they gave you like a 40 percent discount they said okay if we're gonna give you this car you have to like essentially delicately brush the hood of this the sob. yeah every time i filled the gas like every time i filled the car i felt a little a little grip on my cock i was like hey hey goddamn swedes you know, fucking... swedish swedish ghosts so sexual dude i knew it was a dude too just for the way he grabbed me i was like oh, that's a powerful grip but yeah like i yeah i do like that whole scene where she just puts her in the car she drives like a fucking maniac and of course she ends up running into a tree and sylvie just like bops the fuck out of her head i do like that they shot it pretty well where they show like oh yeah ivy's not gonna die here because she just takes like her tits just get slammed by the fucking steering wheel yeah 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 and like which they do like a little, show, yeah, slow mo, yes. yep, a little red mark. Which I've I've actually hit the ch- shit out of my chest in a car wreck before. And oh great! I was not moving that well as, as, as Ivy was. I was like, fuck, I can't breathe. So I recovered fine, but yeah, bruised ribs are nothing to fuck around about. Holy shit, that shit hurts like a bitch. I couldn't shit for a week, and so well, I could shit, but I was crying, and so <laughs> so then after that. We got Sylvie in the hospital. The, the fucking Tom Scarrett comes through. He's fully sold on that goddamn Drew Barrymore. Sweet oh juice. man, he is. Uh, he's had a sippy sip, and he is uh, addicted now. He can't help himself. He's NC seventeen, son of a bitch. And so he goes to the hospital. He gets mad at Sylvie for making up lies that it's uh, it's all it's all due to Ivy. It's all her fault. She's got you, son of a bitch. Like it wasn't me. I wasn't driving. And he doesn't believe her. But then Sylvie does this, like, great escape, which is actually a really fun scene where she kind of finds a way to get the fuck out of the hospital. And she's, like, fucking ducking cover. And she gets in the elevator. And luckily, she's tiny. Like, she's, like, Dude, very small. I don't know about you, but that's going to be me. Like, when I'm older with Parkinson's and they're like, no, you don't have anywhere else to go. Your wife is dead. And, like, you've given away all of your belongings. Like, this is all you have is this retirement home i'll be like i don't care fuck you i'm escaping because i gotta go i don't want to be in this fucking prison hellscape you know you can't you can't be the boss of me that's the most punk rock thing an 80 year old person can do is just like fucking escape every day like every day (laughs) you're you're gonna be a flight risk yeah every time they bring in a new a new nurse you're gonna be like just walk yeah. over this brady kimball son of a bitch yeah. this guy's a real fucking yeah. ninja yeah and then they're gonna get pissed and angry with me and when they grab me i'll be like i'm paying you i'm paying you <laughs> he'll he'll like grease his body in ky jelly so you can't yes. get a grip on him yes i am <laughs> Bronson, around naked. i got the mustache yes <laughs> just walking, you're running naked fully greased up until I'm in a fucking isolation cell, and they're like, "Oh, you can't move more than five feet," and be like, "No, bro, I got Parkinson's." Parkinson's. Yeah, you're like, put on poison ivy while I'm in here. Just keep this, dude. <laughs> just pass the time, dude. 
I, I wouldn't mind. Like, I, I'm gonna watch Poison Ivy. The, the the day that I die, I'd be like, hey, throw it on the VHS. Like, What's a VHS? Figure it out, sons of bitches. Get me a fucking VHS copy of Poison Ivy. That's the last decision I want to make. Jesus Christ! You imagine if this is the last movie you ever saw when you died. Holy <laughs> shit! That's that's uh that's, that's sobering. That is a decision. That mm. is a decision. But yes, uh, so Sylvie gets out of there. She's concussed, apparently, to the point of hallucination, as we find out. <laughs> Holy shit. What kind of drugs did they give her in the hospital? What the fuck is going on here? Because she goes into the house. She has a little. She knows where the secret key is to the house. She gets into the house. There's no alarm system because it's 1992. And who gives a fuck about that? And she walks yep. in and she sees the dad just seductively. Uh, we did skip a sex scene that happens at some point in a forest, by the way, with Drew Barrymore and Tom. That was Scarry. nice. That was an elegant. That was an elegant uh, editorial <laughs> uh, amendment. I didn't feel the need to talk about it, but they do have a little bit of some, some loving in the woods, which, by the way, like, like, how would a cop not notice? Like, hey, look at that nice BMW or, Mer- I mean, Mercedes Benz in the middle of goddamn woods. Like, that can't I'm be telling you, man. I'll uh, you fly into town. I'll take you into the middle of the woods and I'll show you how <laughs> no cop sh- no cops show up. All right. I'll bring the lube. <laughs> and so, yeah, so. That happens at some point. So they have, like, officially made it a situation. And so, yeah, so Sylvie comes into the house. They're making out, and she's, like, fucking Ivy's half naked and, and scared. He's got his fucking ass cheeks out. Could you imagine walking into your pups? Could you imagine, Brady? Walking no. in, see your pops bare cheeks, just like trying to fucking make out with some kind of like pep squad member. I don't know, man. That we would be traumatizing. This, we gotta have this conversation. I'm glad you asked me this question, Daniel, because uh uh I partially picked this movie because I was like Tom Tommy Scarrett's uh Tommy Tommy Scaryberry. Scaryberry as I call him for short. Um he reminds me a little bit of my dad. <laughs> So no, for real? Yes, dude. That's partially wow. why I picked it. I was like, I don't know. This is like he's, you know, picket fences. Uh, he, I looked up to him. You know, Viper and Top Gun. You know, I looked up yeah, to him. He's he's good, this is a guy, stuff. like, yeah, a masculine authoritarian figure, authority figure. Excuse me. He does it. Yeah, not authoritarian, yeah. but he does have a very strong yeah. dad vibe. Right. Yes. So when I saw his ass cheeks, yes, that was a bubble bursting moment of like, oh, my dad is just a, a normal ass man. Just, just like any man, just looking like a fucking idiot, naked, like a dumbass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as you see your dad's ass cheeks, it's a very humbling experience. <laughs> never, never have. Thank, thank the good Lord. No, baby you never Jesus. see your dad's. I, mean, I feel like you should. Like, think like every boy should. You know, not boy. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I. I. I want to say some of my dad's ass cheeks. I was probably a teenager for sure. The first time I saw his ass cheeks, and I was just like, "Well, those are there." Um. Uh, maybe do some more crunches, pop. I mean, our, nope. our, some some lunges. Like, that ass was falling apart. Uh, just flappy flap ja- flapjacks. A couple of honey buns. Yeah, it's just just is not it's not good. I was just like, so I since then I do yoga, man. I, I got some cheeks. I, I mean, I can't clap them or anything like that, but uh, they got some decent structure. I try my best to keep them going. I'm glad you're seeing your dad's ass. Let the record show. You just went from like seeing your dad's ass to being motivated to do yoga. So you're like, uh, you're like Sylvie in this movie in some, in some ways, a question mark. I don't know what's, what is going, what is going on right now? Hey, I don't even podcast the episode. So <laughs> I want, honestly, I want you, I want you to walk 
walk us through the conclusion of this film because we're basically okay. getting there. She sees him making out. <laughs> what happens, dude? Yeah, dude. So the so Sylvie uh, escapes the hospital like Steve McQueen in The Great Escape. It's wonderful, and she comes home and sees uh, Drew Barrymore dressed as her fucking mom in her nightgown. Because keep in mind, listeners, the the mom was pushed off the ledge, the balcony. She is gone, and Sylvie ends up getting into this hallucinatory hallucinatory state. And ends up kissing her mom because it feels like a fever dream to her of like a way of like staying in touch with her mom where, you know, like in most movies, it'd be like this, like, oh, I woke up from a dream. Oh, you know, that was just a dream. But in reality, it was like a real thing where her fucking mom tongues her. And that's when she realizes, (laughs) oh, wait, this is actually her friend and not her mom because my mom would never French my ass. (laughs) And it's a straight up like. Yeah. Like French kiss, like holy shit! But at the same time, I feel like Sylvie stayed with it because maybe a part of her knew that may may be her, or she just liked it. Yeah, it it's very, it's a lot, dude. It's it's It's, too much for me to comprehend. But it is, you need to see it to believe this scene because I did not expect her to be tonguing who she thought was her mom. Right, but then when you watch it, you're like, yeah, that okay, this all makes sense. Like, there's yeah. a certain, like, weird logic to this movie that when you're watching it, you're like, okay. But, yeah. but some of it, I think, is, like, there's so much foreshadowing, and, like, and looking back on it, it there's there's a lot of cheesy foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, some of it's clever, um, but some of it's not. And so, like, this at this point, it's like, all right, whatever. Drew Barrymore uh, is dressed as her mom, and she realizes that, Sylvie realizes that's her mom. They have a fight on the balcony, and then uh, Sylvie pushes Drew Barrymore, or like they she stumbles off. And of course, Drew Barrymore is holding onto the necklace, which is the one thing that Sylvie yeah. received from her dad. So it was like, if you grab this neck, necklace, it's like you're grabbing the the dad and pulling him down with you, like a death of the dad. Sack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Drew, Drew just kind of pieces out all over the pavement, which, uh, guess what? They talked about at the very beginning of the movie. Like, what if we all just committed suicide and jumped off the balcony and, like, our organs went sploot? Which is very odd to me because, and I don't know if you read this, but I, I thought I saw that the director initially wanted ivy to get away with it and the end of the movie would be her kind of hitchhiking you know mm. oh you know, like she was going to get away with it she's going to kill you know kill everybody basically except for scary just leave him like oh my god everyone's dead and she was just going to hitchhike because like throughout the film she hitchhikes which i guess 1992 was the last time you could hit- i would have stopped hitchhiking in the 80s because i feel like that was yeah. a bad time to hitchhike especially mm-hmm. if you're a, a young woman um, but if you're like a fucking uh goddamn giant fucking Mexican face like me, I think you'd be okay. But um, and so she, she or this motherfucker with his giant stash and his 1920s mm-hmm. baseball cap, but which I I still love it. I still want to steal it from you at some point when I meet you. But she apparently that was the original, and they went through several. They went through several uh uh, uh right like rewrites of the ending. And the the fucking uh, what do you call it the 
what do you call the people that are funding the film? The the fucking mo- the, producers. Yes, the producers were like, uh, we wanted to pay for her. We wanted to pay for all the shit she's done. We wanted to pay for it. So then they kill her off, which the director didn't want to do. And then they tell the director, <laughs> hey, we want to make more films with. Yes. And so he's like, well, I should, you should have just let me do what I wanted to do in the first mm-hmm. place, you fucking ass clowns, goddamn mm-hmm. sons of bitches. Because yes. he had already opened it up to where they could have made sequels. Instead, they pretty much, it looks like she's dead. So I don't know. I haven't seen the sequel with Melissa. What was it? Melissa Milano? I don't know. Uh, um, uh, I've not seen those sequels, but I kind of no. think, Brady, we're now stuck in the vortex. And whether there's a mustache or not, we might need to cover the rest of this franchise. I, I would love to do that. Or we could cover Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia again. <laughs> and just every two years we do that. That's our thing. And it's a podcast called Bring Me the Podcast of Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> I mean, you pick either either one. I'm just saying. Bring me the ass cheeks of Tom Scarrett. That's what I want to fucking cover. God damn it. The sweet cheeks. He's got some sweet cheeks for a 55-year-old man. I got to tell you that. Uh, yeah. uh, I hope my cheeks hold up as well as his did. I don't know if that was a stunt, guys, or what, but uh, Tom Scarrett, Jesus nope. Christ. That's Thank all him. God. Yeah, he. you could tell. He was, he was a tennis player or something. He was doing something physical. <laughs> Cause that guy was keeping them going. Those not glutes. not rack not racquetball, more of a tennis maybe, guy. Not a racquetball. Maybe racquetball. Maybe racquetball. You could be right. I don't know those sports very well, <laughs> so I'm really just spitballing like a son of a bitch. But you know, so yes, uh, fucking Ivy dies like a son of a bitch, and then I think the movie just kind of ends with Sylvie doing a monologue of like, yeah. I hardly knew her. She was yeah. beautiful, and uh, yeah, and then it was like. Oh, like seriously she no joke she basically says like eh, maybe she had a worse life than me <laughs> like yeah, really maybe it took, your, it took your friend dying <laughs> to realize that maybe from a like a socioeconomic situation coming from a lower class situation in her behavior of acting like a fucking maniac <laughs> that you had to fucking let go and 50 50 in a court of law let die murderer <laughs> that she didn't have a good life you moron it makes no sense uh, but you're an idiot <laughs> you stupid rich stupid bitch yeah i mean honestly this movie really comes down to just sylvie being a rich brat that just did yes. not understand how the streets work she was yes. just, this this chick just walked all over her took her mom took her dog <laughs> took her dad like walked all over it, it took her friendship like she had her unrelenting friendship because there's a lot of scenes where there's even a scene where sylvie gets mad at the dog because the dog is sleeping in the bed with right with ivy and she like yeets that fucking dog like she's like <laughs> like she fucking pushes his ass off the mattress and she's like she mentions in her monologue like I don't know why I was so jealous about the dog being close to ivy but I couldn't help it like I just want her attention I don't want anyone else to have her attention. And that kind of tune that kind of like winds itself into the whole thing of like there was an attraction there. There was some kind of deep connection. Yeah. Right. You know, whether it was sexual or not, she felt this deep dying connection. I think they could have done more with that. Honestly, yeah. this film could have been and we'll talk about this in the ratings. But like, yeah, I could imagine this film being different if it was if it leaned more on that aspect of it. Not so much her trying to bone Tom Scarrett. 
uh, for some fucking reason. As you know, I like to rate these movies my favorite mustaches. <laughs> Wait, wait, hold on. I'm skipping a segment. So, like, you know, <laughs> wait, hold on. I'd like to do some quick impressions of these movies. And this one, I couldn't really find an impression I really wanted to do. So I'm going to do a really quick impression right now. It's I'm not sure if it's very good, but this is a segment I like to call quick impression. <clears throat> quick impressions. I'm sorry, Dad. No more than me. You mean no more than I. You're grounded, bitch. That's not the exact line. That's not the exact lines between Tom Skerritt and Darlene from Roseanne. Jesus Christ, what's her name again? Sarah Gilbert. <laughs> Fuck Sylvie. Sil- Sylvie, but I think her name is Sarah Gilbert, right? The mm-hmm. actress? Okay. Sylvie. Uh, that is an exchange in the car when uh, he's pissed off at her and he's really trying to force his way into being a powerful dad because he's an asshole mm. and he grounds her ass. But uh, I think that was the exchange I had that I loved the most in the movie. There's a lot of one-liners in this film, but that I just thought that was kind of fun. I just think, I you know what it was? I could relate to it. I feel like if my kid tried to correct my grammar, I'd be like, you're fucking grounded. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck if you're right, yeah. bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep. Stay in your room. I'm breaking your play- PlayStation 10. I don't know when I'm ever going to have a kid. It's going to be PlayStation 10. I'm going to be fucking 50 years old. I'm going to impregnate some fucking 28-year-old piece of shit. Oh, what? no. Oh, no. Now, yeah. they're giving up on numbers like they always do after, like, four or five. I, I guess we're up to five. But, like, when you get to, like, six or seven, it's going to be, like, the PlayStation Equinox. Oh, I know. Yeah, my kid's going to be a PlayStation Equinox, and my 28-year-old wife's going to have a giant fat ass. It's gonna be insane. It's just gonna be because by then the the the, the operations they do back there. It's I'm gonna be able to eat a, a fucking steak dinner off her butt cheeks, standing up. Anyway, it's gonna be a good time. I'm, I'm waiting for that time. So as you know, I like to rate these movies by my favorite mustaches. You have the full Fu Manchu recommendation for fucking hell yeah. You have the walrus mustache recommendation for pretty fucking good. You have the horseshoe mustache recommendation for. Eh, not that bad. And the dreaded Hitler mustache recommendation for Burn This Movie in Hell. And Brady, you're welcome to use that brain of yours if you feel like uh, there's an in-betweener there. Um, if you want to pick your own stash to rate this movie. But if there's one within the original categories, feel free to rate it. How would you rate this movie, sir? Oh, man, oh, man, Lordy. Um, this movie is everything all at once this is this is uh this is a lifetime movie this is uh uh an artsy movie this is a uh an erotic movie um this movie dips and swerves and ups and downs and bobs and weaves all sorts of ways that uh, i don't know it just it it honestly just deserves to be seen which i think it'll very least requires a horseshoe but let me let me let me think about this is it higher or lower than a horseshoe i guess the bottom the floor is a horseshoe yeah yeah i feel like you know i I like to break it in tears sometimes yeah so you can always tear it up a little bit if you feel like it's kind of a borderline horseshoe lower tier walrus you know because walrus is like pretty damn good and you got the horseshoe which is not bad yeah you know i i you know i agree with you i wouldn't give this a hitler so okay okay so i'm on the right track you're on the right track i 
do love Tom Skerritt just as a human, I believe. I haven't found <laughs> it's like me with Charles Bronson. <laughs> I feel you. So, you can't, you can't do it wrong, even though, yeah. even though he's uh, hooking up with a minor. No, you, what, what's wrong? Um, <laughs> I know. That's why I haven't, I haven't covered fucking, what's that movie that uh, Bronson did? Was it uh, Twinkie? I have no idea what you're he, talking about. Bronson has a movie where this it's basically, this is even worse because it's from like the 70s and it's oh, great. real bad. Oh, great. I'll send cool. you the link. I'll send oh, you the link. Just, Enjoy it. Well... Don't have me on for that episode because <laughs> tonight's been awkward. It. Tonight's been awkward enough that uh, I've made it as far as I can. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like I'm so torn, but I, I feel like you. You probably had people on the show that have said this. You probably said this yourself. I feel like it's a walrus if you watch it with people, and probably just a horseshoe if you watch it alone. That's a perfect. Honestly, I don't know. We've maybe had a couple people say that, and I've said that myself. I think sometimes movies, some movies are better set, especially some movies that are in, they're kind of in that time period, and there's really, it's hard to relate to it, Mm -hmm. you know, in, you know, outside of it. But this movie is really, would be quite entertaining to watch with a couple (laughs) of your friends. I don't care who it is, it could be anybody, it could be you. And all your homeboys, it could be you and your and your wife and her friends. I think they would all have a good time with it because you get to see Tom Skerritt's asshole and mm. um in, mm-hmm. in his mustache is just going all over the place. He has a wonderful mustache, by the way. It's perfectly trimmed. It's nineties trimmed. If you had a mustache in the nineties, that bitch was not going anywhere. It had to be perfectly too, above too, your lips. Perfect. Too perfect. There needs too to be perfect. a little bit needs to be a little bit of a punk rock scruff. Yeah, exactly. It's mm. incredibly manicured, but I I completely agree with you, Brady. I would honestly give this a top tier horseshoe, but I would agree with you. I think it is a low tier walrus if you watch this with friends and you're having a good time. It's also honestly a movie that you could just throw on if you're having a party. Maybe you're playing some board games. Throw that on and just get weird <laughs> with it. You know, as long as you as long as you copy out with your friends, you're like, look, this is this is my DVD. <laughs> This is my MP4 <laughs> file on my friend's Plex server. Just because I'm hitting play doesn't mean I condone this shit. So the scenes that are problematic recognize that I also don't condone them. But the rest of this movie's fucking dope. Is that Drew Barrymore's side boob? Ignore it. Yahtzee. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I win. It really make things really fucking weird, but it would be hilarious, though. Um, but yes, I... I I actually did quite enjoy it. You're right. It is very Lifetime-esque type movie with a little bit of extra, ad, you know, little extra bits, a little bit of blood. I thought that um, the bit of kind of not, I wouldn't call it even goriness, but the the bit of violence that is in there is is pretty well captured. Um, I think Drew Barrymore's death, Ivy's death is is pretty awesome. You know, her falling off the the balcony and then capturing all the blood coming out. I think I thought they did a good job with that. Nothing feels like silly dummy work. It was all very, it was all taken very seriously. And there's definitely a budget here, yep. uh, which they definitely made in the rental market because they did not make it in the theater. No. Um, but yeah, I think it is worth the watch. If you have not seen this movie, if you want to try to see it, good fucking luck. <laughs> I, I would not have seen it without Brady's expertise. Uh, to get me a, a link, but if you want to see it, maybe, I don't know, buy a, a VHS on eBay. It's probably like 10 bucks or something. I don't mm. know. It's probably not very much if you want a VHS. And you'll be on a list. 
Uh, sure. <laughs> if, sure. you, if you were a man about I, 21. After a little bit more uh, research, actually, there is a uh, Poison Ivy collection with all four movies in a Blu-ray set. So I might... Uh, I gotta admit, I might... <laughs> Send me your address. I might uh I might be to the punch. I'm just saying. I really do want to see the sequels. I can't wait to see them. I'm not kidding. I really do want to see them. I'm so curious what the fuck they did with this like character who obviously died. Like I guess she just I, it was a freak. Like she bled a lot, but she managed to yeah. put her in a hospital and they fixed her up nice and well because she's in a rich neighborhood. I don't know, but right. It worked out. But anyway, Brady, you know, I know you do the podcasting and you do the talkie talkies of the movies and you're you're actually you're known as the guy that really lifts up the spirits. You're like the positive spirit of your podcast, I heard. Um, um <laughs> You're the uplifting motherfucker. Tell me a little what Oh man. I think you're referring to the fact that I pick a lot of movies that can be depressing or like uh, yes. European art house movies where it's like, let's talk about relationships. Yeah. Let's talk about what it means to be married for 15 years <laughs> and the icy, you know, lack of physical intimacy that happens. Yeah, Daniel. <laughs> I'm totally the fun free free will and um I love that about you. That's why I bring you on the show, man. So, but yeah. yes, plug away, man. People want to know where they can hear more of this yeah. sexy ass fucking timbre of a voice. Yeah. So, joking aside, like uh, Solid Six, the thing that I think really sets us apart that we we really take pride in is the fact that there's three of us: Josh and Allison and I. We all uh, host, take uh, rotate hosting duties, do double features for any movie that we think would uh, provide a good conversation, and that could be. Uh, big budget movies you know we're doing like a, a like proto cgi uh series right now with like tron and demolition man but i've covered fucking direct-to-video like borderline softcore shit um i might may or may not be doing like a queer musicals double feature next uh, we'll see hell yeah but um we yeah we take pride in like kind of being a wild card so if you look at our our backlist of episodes i think whoever's listening to this i can guarantee you you'll find something you like out of the 115 episodes that we've done damn yeah man and so yeah we we kind of mix it up between like fucking bullshitting like we did tonight you and me daniel and kind of getting in depth like technically like we just recorded tron and we go fucking deep on like cgi and practical effects and stuff so um nice. we're everything to nobody or everything to everybody. I don't know. <laughs> You're everything to somebody. Yes, there we go. I there can tell is. you that. You're the marketing guy. Help me out. <laughs> Let me... I'll keep you on retainer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, I love having you on the fucking show, man. I think I think that's why I really like you being on here is because you're able to add some depth that this uh, this podcast is much in need of because i'm just a uh, piece of shit that wants to make poopoo pee pee jokes and and make some dumb jokes and do some bad impressions but i do appreciate talking you know i do appreciate you bringing that depth in there and then me also kind of being able to learn a little bit about this and also i feel like i brought a little bit too today oh I, dude I you fucking bit. knocked it out of the park and thank you for uh Helping me to remind me that uh, I'm human and we're all going to die one day. So why not just bullshit? Fuck yeah, dude. I mean, that's kind of what life is all about. And honestly, I can't wait to go through the other Poison Ivies with you, man. I'm... 
I'm going to need more and more pillows, uh, more and more tissues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to get hornier and hornier. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think uh, I saw that uh, fucking oh, what's her name? Presley, something Presley. Uh, she's from all the um, those uh, scary movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus, what's her name? I can't remember. Um, something Presley. I can't remember her name, but she's a, she's a blonde chick and. She's in some of those like uh, scary movie, like the stupid fucking uh, spoof well, movies. There's Alyssa Milano was in. She's uh, in the Point second sequel. Yes. And are you talking about not Jamie? That's, yeah, uh, Jamie Presley. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's her. Let me double check. Hold on. I want to check. Just out of curiosity. It yeah, it's Jamie. It Presley. is right. Right. Yeah. I really want to see that one because I haven't seen a lot of her more serious films. Guys, I've, I've only, only seen her just doing comedy. I think I've only seen her in My Name is Earl, honestly. Yeah. Maybe. You know, I'm kind of curious how she carries that. Uh, yeah, you got Drew, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And uh, Alyssa Milano. Jamie Presley. Presley. I mean, these are heavy hitters, man. <laughs> I don't, don't fuck around with the Poison Ivy shit. I mean. Then you got Poison Ivy, The Secret Society from 2008 with Shauna Waldron, which nope. I don't. Yeah, I fell off. <laughs> fell off off call it call it when you see it after three i mean <laughs> has there ever been a quadrilogy that's good like honestly no but i think it would be hilarious to draw <laughs> just drag you through this with me and whether tough. we find a mustache or not i think it might be fun maybe we can make it like a little bonus thing i don't know we'll see we can keep it short let's do it i mean hopefully i'm employed by then so it's not a liability to get it work but <laughs> like this guy really likes some really teen horny some teenage horny films holy shit what's wrong with him and he's got a mustache oh god oh, oh my Jesus. god but i honestly feel like you have one of the uh your your mustache is so like part of who you are you give the least creepy uncle factor which i gotta give you some major i if i just do mustache i look like i hang out at playgrounds and i <laughs> I go to Chuck E. Cheese with no kids, you know, like it's not good. Uh, well, I appreciate it. I yeah, you're just thing. full fucking force. It's just yeah, dude, nice. I grew this. I grew this a couple years ago, and let's just say I've never been objectified like that before. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> I'm totally cool with uh, like you know, regardless of my intellect or my ability to carry a conversation. Uh, yeah, dude, eating is a piece of meat, like. I could see you naked in the Westworld lab, you know, like they're just trying to prepare your your fucking uh, lore. <laughs> just like, yeah, this guy's a piano player in the bar and he fucking jerks off. <sighs> I don't know. Like, I just, from Alfredo Garcia. Let's keep going. Let's right. Go. I feel like you could be. I would just imagine you. They're just passing by the lab. Just a scan across. And it's just Brady. There, just <laughs> ass naked with his pale body and a deep ass mustache. I'd be like, yeah, I can believe that. That's that's oh, him, man. I'm a fan, but anyway. <laughs> Thank you. I can't help it. I got to compliment the people that I love. But, uh, yes, thank you all so much for putting up with us for uh, these uh, two hours or so. And uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, this movie. If you haven't seen it, I would suggest give it a watch. Um, if not, this this whole con- – this honestly, this whole conversation, you must be absolutely appalled. You have to see this movie. Mm. I'm just letting you know. But – um. Aside from that, uh, till next time, uh, we'll talk to y'all later. Have Bye. a good time. Bye.